nothing negative and an accent on a positive. And gather round me, children, if you're willing, and sit tight while I start reviewing. Test, the test. Is this the on? Oh, yes, it is. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast, The Joyful Frugalista, and now here's your host, Serena Bird and Friends. Hello, Frugalistas, and welcome. Today, I have a special guest, someone I've known for about a year and whose investment advice and interest I find really fascinating to watch, and he is going to be a really great discussion, basically. Welcome, Kurt Welcome. Thank you, Serena. It's great to be here. <laughs> Thank you. Kurt is co-CEO and co-founder of Perla, which is a platform that helps everyday Australians invest directly in the share market to achieve long-term financial goals. Essentially, it's an investment platform and Kurt's going to be able to talk a little bit more about that. Kurt and his co-founders are part of the UNSW Founders Program and honestly, it's just been really interesting for me to watch their progress. And also really inspiring as well to see these young guys who really have a dream and are making it happen. A note to listeners before we begin, any discussion about investment options in this episode is by way of general information only, and please don't take it as investment advice. It is important to consider your own risk profile and do your own research before undertaking any investment. I also want to be upfront and say that I am personally investing in Perla. In fact, I've already made my first investment. I therefore have a vested interest in the company. And once their platform is up and running, I will be part of their affiliate program where I would receive a payment of $15 from anyone who invests in Perla on my recommendation. That's the disclaimer all up in the way. Kurt. Why are you and your co-founders, why were you inspired to create Perla? Serena, thanks for, thanks for having me, as I said before. It's a great question. I think for each of us, uh, we have uh, our own like individual drives. And, and we've documented these, by the way, on our website. We've, um, we've each written a blog that's called Why I'm Founding Perla. Mm. So if people do want to get into that in detail, they can. But essentially, for each of us, it comes down to better accessibility and better financial outcomes for everyday Australians when it comes to doing things with their money that makes sense. But typically, financial institutions have made it difficult to do so. And we're, yeah, on a mission to, to make it more doable for everyday Aussies to get solid financial outcomes mm. without having to have heaps of background. <laughs> I'm currently beta testing your platform, as you know, and I know it's not perfect, perfect, and it's not yet launched, but I am really interested in how easy to use it is. It's just the interface is really nice. Oh, well, thanks. That's great feedback. I mean, it's a bit buggy at the moment, as you know, but we have simplified it down a lot. You've fixed the ability to upload a photo so you can put a selfie on that. So that was already a big tick in the box for me. But yeah, quite (laughs) seriously, though, on some of the functionality, I know you're working it through. Perhaps you could explain a little bit more about what Perla does. For sure. Um, so today, Perla is a simplified online broker. So what that means is you can buy and sell Australian shares, so, so anything that's listed on the ASX. It's made specifically for people who want to invest for the long term. We've got a li- rid of a lot of the crap that other brokers have that are focused on helping traders make trades, and we've replaced it with kind of a more simple interface, which is a bit more intuitive. 
some examples there are instead of having and for anyone who's like used a, a big bank's trading platform you'll you'll notice it's got trade depth which means how many orders at which price and it's got different types of orders like limit orders and market orders sometimes stop losses stuff like that and if you're a long-term investor, you, you don't need to worry about the day-to-day -day market movements. And it's just downright confusing for most people who are trying to get in access to the market too. So we've, mm. we've removed all that and instead we've replaced it with long-term investing features like auto-invest where we allow people to set a target portfolio and then set some rules and we'll direct debit from their bank account and invest it for them into the target portfolio that they've set according to rules that they've set up. What I really like about it is... And it doesn't quite apply to me so much because I'm a bit unusual with some of my other investments. But for the average investor starting out who's doing it with the aim of reaching financial independence and hopefully to retire early, people in the FIRE movement, it really enables you to track that progress really easily, doesn't it? Because it's really at the front page. What is your goal for when you want to retire? And this is how you are going, how you are progressing in reaching that goal. The whole philosophy behind what we're trying to achieve is make it more real for people and more accessible. Current brokers are all about trying to, to maximize like profits, which is a bit like soulless and also doesn't actually end up maximizing profits because people <laughs> trade more and they get they get worse financial outcomes. Yeah, the um, churn, we'll get I think, that. isn't it? The churn. You're churning all the time. Yeah. You're buying and selling and yeah. that costs money. Exactly. And that costs money. Think about it this way. Trading is a zero-sum game, you know, every win that, before cost trading is a zero-sum game. Every time someone makes makes a profit on a short-term trade, then someone else has lost on that. And it's a zero-sum game before cost because that doesn't account for the trading costs of actually doing the transaction. So you have to take those out too. So the only people who win at the end of the day are the, are the big broking platforms, the more the people trade. Yeah, sad, sad but true. Yes, pulling it all the way back to goals though, where we're trying to get to is whatever your goal is, will help you get there by giving you the frameworks to, to make the calculations and to plan out how you'll get to it. Our first one's financial independence, which is yeah, really built there for the FIRE community, but it is a, a broader goal that a lot of people aspire to. And then we hope to, to build those out to, to include saving for that first home deposit, um, saving for your kids' education fund, saving for a big overseas holiday. Mm, well, that's good to hear because not everyone's goal is to retire early. Some people are quite happy enjoying their careers. They want to have a financial goal. As you mentioned, it might be their children's education or it might be a, a family holiday, a big family holiday to Europe, for instance, if you've got family over there, which can be quite expensive. Yeah, yeah exactly. We, we kind of think about it as if, if it's a 10-year sort of goal, then it makes sense to in, invest in shares to achieve it. And so that's kind of, they were the, the goals that I just rattled off there. Mm. Let's talk about why it makes sense to invest in shares to achieve that and what type of investment, what type of share investment. Um, as you know, I met you in person last year at the Playing With Fire Australian premiere in Sydney, which Perla sponsored, which was a great event. You had the director, yeah, Travis fun. Shakespeare, out. Yeah. It was really inspiring. And then there was the moderated panel afterwards, which I was one of the people who participated in. But one thing that really stuck out for me while watching that documentary was how many people in the FIRE community have got there either by index funds or by ETFs, exchange-traded funds. That was really hammered home in that particular documentary. Yep. 
Why are they such a popular vehicle for the fire community and what are they? <laughs> I guess I'll start at the what are they part <laughs> first. And, and I'll just explain in abstracts before we get into specifics. But I will get to specifics because it's important. People stay too abstract when it comes to money. Essentially, if you can imagine one thing that you can buy that spreads your money out across everything that every company that there is, then that is essentially what both an index fund and an exchange trade fund, the exchange trader fund will do. What changes is everything that there is. You know, that, that everything may be the whole world's share market. It may just be Australia's. It, it may just be US. It, it may just be companies which have some sort, meet some sort of ethical or sustainable standard. It may not even be companies. It might be bonds, which are a form of debt as opposed to a form of equity. And so these baskets are really, these, these diversified baskets, if you will, is what the fire community uses to achieve that financial independence or to get fired, as the, as the community likes to say. <laughs> then it comes, okay, well, how do you, you, know, how do you use these baskets? And then maybe why do you use these baskets in the first place as opposed to a number of other tools? And, and people do use other, other investment vehicles to get to fire. Property is, is one example. Yeah, in my case, most, much of my wealth has come from property. Although I have had index funds in the past. And as you know, we've just invested in ETFs with you guys as well. Yeah, which is great. Thanks very much, Soraya. <laughs> the idea is that you just want to get a passive income that, that covers your expenses. And so once you've got your passive income covers your expenses, then you're fired. So I probably should have started at that point. And then it's more common in the FI community to use, to just use these baskets of assets, which are known as well either index funds or exchange traded funds. I'll get the difference in a minute. And the reason is because it's just lower maintenance. It's just far simpler. You don't have to worry about maintenance and you don't have to worry about upkeep or renos or tenants and vacancies and everything else. Like you just simply buy more and also it's much more liquid, mm. right? You can put $1,000 in into an ETF, but good luck trying to buy a home in Canberra for that, right? <laughs> exactly. And unlike <laughs> buying individual shares, you don't have to do quite as much research in terms of investing, researching and then having the risk of investing in different shares. We do invest in, in individual shares as well, and I've been uh, quite open about this, that they haven't performed so well. And in fact, I think you can probably correct me if this isn't entirely true, but I believe Warren Buffett has said, for people who are, are noobs or new to share investing and they don't <laughs> really know what they're doing, they're not experts in them. They're much better off with index funds or ETFs, which diversifies the risk and means they don't have to do as much research. Yep, yep, you're, you're spot on. Buffett has said that. He also said that he think his mentor told him, Benjamin Graham, that ETFs make more sense than value investing for the average person, even though Benjamin Graham wrote the book, The Intelligent Investor, which yeah. is the, the Bible for, for value investors. And yeah, you get famous, essentially famous investors globally will say that the best way for the average person to get access to the stock market is through is through an index fund or an ETF. Yeah, exactly, because we're busy people. If your life is about share trading and you understand it and you're researching it, you will probably do well. Although even Warren Buffett himself doesn't do well with absolutely 100% of everything he invests in. Yeah. I don't think anyone does well with 100% of anything anyone <laughs> invests in. But for the average person who's busy, is bringing up a family or is starting out in life and has got professional careers or studying or just making ends meet, it's Hard to find the time, isn't it, to research investing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I look at it this way. I think people can add more value in spending that time working another, another hour or another couple of hours a, a week and, and then adding that into their ETF investment 
far more value actually than than doing any research or picking stocks themselves. And in fact, I think it by opting to not be an active investor, it usually makes people money. I hadn't thought of it in those terms, but actually that does make sense that you are better off doing investing in yourself really, I guess, and what you're good at. Yeah, exactly. You just got to back yourself. And if it's not your full-time job, then don't make it. Like You don't want to compete against people who it is their full-time job to correctly value Combank, to correctly value Apple, to correctly value all these big companies. Like There are Someone at JP Morgan right now, it's their full-time job to just value Apple stock. Mm. You're not going to compete against that. No. <laughs> I like to think I can. <laughs> I can't really. <laughs> Let's just go back a bit because we were going to talk about the difference between index funds and ETFs. And I must say when ETFs sort of first came on, I was a little bit confused as well, like particularly when Vanguard first started offering its ETFs. I was like, well, what's the difference? Like I've got index funds, they work fine. What is the different functionality? How is it different in terms of in investing in them and, and how do you buy them? Sure. Index fund is one of those baskets that I mentioned before. And how you go about investing in an index fund is you need to go straight to the manager. There's like essentially these companies which they'd make the baskets for you. To get access to them, you need to go to their website. You need to sign up and you just essentially set it up through them. There's no online broker involved. An exchange-traded fund is when one of these managers has gone, you know what, I don't want you to have to come to me to, to buy my product. Instead, I'm going to put it on the share market. And so they list them. And because that these have much more, they can scale a lot better and there's not as much cost involved in getting people on, typically they have lower fees involved. And so what you'll find is that most people in, in FIRE will invest in ETFs over index funds because... Two reasons. First is lower fees because, as I mentioned, the ETF fee is lower than the index fee, even though they're typically the same product. Mm -hmm. And the second is, uh, well, it's a, just a bit easier to access. It's, it's a bit more liquid, which you know, has its ups and downs, but that's the process. And so, yeah, you can buy an ETF on any online broker that has access to, well, yeah, the, the share market. And if you want to buy an Aussie ETF, it just has to be an Australian online broker. And there's a lot more players now in the ETF space. Originally, Vanguard was the first one to offer index funds at all, as you know. Yeah. But there are a number of players now in this space. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, Vanguard made its name. And why it's so big in the FIRE community is that Jack Bogle, the founder of Vanguard, really invented the index fund. So that's the non-listed version. And he also set up the company in the US in a way that is such that the security owners own the company. That kind of gets misconstrued here in Australia a bit because it's not the same case. It's a different corporate structure here. So they get a lot of credit <laughs> for you know, having a security owner-owned company when it's, it's not actually, but as far as Australian investors go. But it's, they still have the name. They have the reputation. They have great, they have great products. They're, they are very low cost. But that said, there are equally other great ETF providers out there in the Australian market. And, you know, there are global ones from like iShares uh, all the way through to, and Spider all the way through to like domestic um, companies like BetaShares and, and uh, Vanek and ETF Securities, who are all like good local players. And, and really, they've all got billions of dollars under management and they're all very accessible for, for the average audience. Thank you for that. And through Perla, people able to invest in most of these platforms? Yeah, correct. You can invest. All of the people I just named, all the companies I just named have ETFs. A few of them have, have indexes as well. But the, the industry has moved towards ETFs because it's, um, it's much easier to get 
volume, it's much easier to get more funds there because it's easier for investors to just move their funds across and also the lower cost as well. So it's kind of been a bit of a virtuous cycle, which has been ETFs have become more popular than, than um, index funds. Mm, interesting. I sold my index funds with Vanguard oh, just over a year ago, I think now, and people thought I was a bit crazy at the time, but I'm kind of glad I did. I didn't predict COVID, but <laughs> It was kind of handy having that additional buffer on my mortgage. And of course, now I'm looking to build up a little bit. 2020, my goodness. I mean, who would have thought? We were talking, as you know, in August at the Playing With Fire Australian premiere. And at that stage, there were whispers of the economy turning south and maybe a recession and everyone, except for me, who's a bit older. So I've seen the last recession, so I'm perhaps a little bit more, not jaded, but not even wise. I don't know what. Have memories, maybe. That's that's it. Memories of being at university and how difficult <laughs> it was to find jobs for a lot of graduates. Yeah. The general sort of sense was that in the fire community that they would be able to weather whatever kind of happened, whether it was good or bad. Has this been a really hard time for you to launch Perla 2020 or has it been a, a time of opportunity? Really good question. I think we're really focused on getting long-term investors on our platform. and. For those long-term investors, the status quo really hasn't changed a lot. But I think as a general like comment, the interest in online investing has risen amongst just everyday people. You know, it's, it's probably been a good thing for, for us as a company. Obviously, it's, it's a horrible thing to have happened. So far, we're just plugging along and just trying to, to execute on, on the plan and I've had some great backing from people like yourself, you know, and Dave from Strong Money Australia and a number of other bloggers who have been very helpful in, in getting us out there. It's going back and forth a bit but until we've got to this point on making sure we've got a good platform that helps. I've been following the media and it's been really interesting. It seems like a lot of younger people in particular have been getting into the share market for the first time, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, you would think, because the media's been all doom and gloom, you would think that's not what a lot of people would have expected. But I guess it makes sense because they've got more time often if they're not working to research. When the the share market went down, it was a good opportunity for long-term investors, I guess. Yeah, well, I think we've seen a lot of retail investors. Well, I don't even think. I know I've seen the stats. There's a lot of people who are investing. Whether that's a good or a bad thing is, is yet to be shown because the thing I'm personally scared about is people get in and now and they get burnt and that scares them off for investing for the rest of their lives which would be a horrible outcome at the moment unfortunately the default starting point when it comes to investing in shares is pick a stock and that's the most risky way to go because you're putting all your eggs in one basket Mm. instead you should just buy the basket right which is where these etfs and licks come in That makes sense. That's really cute. Rather than all the eggs in one basket, buy the whole basket. That's a really cute analogy. (laughs) (laughs) In terms of investing, what does your own investing look like? What was your first investment? Sure. So um, (laughs) there's a bit of a story, uh, I guess. And short version is that I read the second edition of Barefoot Investor Mm -hmm. when I was 14. And by the time I was 15, I was set that I was going to invest money. And my parents... My parents were like, okay, cool, we'll help you do that. And so I actually accumulated a fair, chunk for, a fair chunk of change for a 15-year-old. I think it was like around 15 grand or something like that. Sorry, how much? Could you just say that again? How- around, around 15 grand. And so how did you have 15 grand as a 15-year-old? 
I'm honestly quite not quite sure. I feel like there's a combination of I used to work uh, for at my parents' business, but I also think I used to be a very tight ass little kid and, and get some stuff. And then there also would have been gifts from family. The actual breakdown, I have no idea this this time, but I, I know that I ended up investing five grand in three stocks just before the GFC. Just before the <laughs> GFC. Well, that's interesting timing. Nice, expensive shares to buy. Let's go back to this tight ass kid. Did you have tight ass parents? Because most 15 year olds do not have 15 grand just lying around. And a lot of parents themselves are not good with money investing, let alone be able to help and encourage a 15 year old who happens to pick up a book about finance written for adults. Well, honestly, if I'm going to be really critical with myself, I think that at least five grand of that was gifted, if not 10. And I probably earned somewhere between five and 10. So that's, that's just the full transparency out there. And I come from a background where my mum and dad were great with teaching us kids fundamental value around money. And I've, I've, written, this, uh, I've written about this in my blog, just kind of the story. We, we grew up in, uh, in Goulburn, which is a, a small country town. And I guess I got to see them become wealthier mm. as I grew up, where we were living in the city in a standard suburban house when I was born and it was, a, it was a duplex and then we moved from place to place and then eventually ended up on a, a bit of acreage nearby and, and then like my parents subdivided that and, and that whole like process of working through from just owning a small real estate agency in, in the middle of town and to, to accumulating wealth together and, and working hard to do it and also being smart about you know what's the spending decisions you make and whatnot. And, and what's the value of money? Like all of that stuff really drove home. And I, I just compared that with, I guess, as a kid, you just wonder, how do your holidays end up getting a lot better than, than your friends, even though you were doing the same holiday five years ago, if you will? Yeah. And Goulburn's an interesting city because, as you know, I live in Canberra and it's only about an hour away. And it's quite an interesting mix of people because there's the jail there and there's the, I think, the New South Wales Police Force Academy, I think, is in Goulburn as well. Yep, yep, correct. But it's an interesting place because it's the last stop on the train line from Sydney. Yeah, the town itself has, has always been home for me. It's a beautiful town. I always like the times that we stop off in Goulburn on the way back from Sydney. Not always. Often we'll just kind of motor through, but when we do, it's just lovely. Kurt, I have one final question for you. Do you have a frugalista tip? Uh, frugalista tip. Well, I, I was <laughs> thinking about this one and I was like, well, maybe my, my breakfasts are, are a good one. What I do is a butter tea. Butter tea. And I've been doing my butter teas for breakfast every morning. I would say about 50% of breakfast for somewhere between the last two and three years, I've been having this butter tea. Butter tea. That sounds something like out of Harry Potter or something. Well, you mentioned before, it sounds a bit like a yak yak tea or something. Yeah. Yak butter tea. Butter tea. Yes, when I was up in a part of China, up in Lanzhou province, where there's a Tibetan community I visited, yeah, yak butter tea. I tried it once. I said, I want to try this. I hear it's really important part of the diet. And the lady running the restaurant said, you won't like it. And I said, try me. And she poured it for me. And I went, guess what? I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, what, what's the point behind the yak butter tea, Sorry. I don't know, but I just think high up in the mountains, it's really difficult to grow a lot of vegetables. They rely on the yak for so much 
of their diet for milk yep. to meat to everything and butter I guess keeps a lot longer than milk high altitude and they work really hard so they need those calories I think yeah I, I like that that part for me seems to cut through the calorie the energy density in the morning anyway that's kind of like for me it's quick it's sharp it's cheap I ran across the bulletproof coffee fad a few years ago and like when it comes to fads I kind of think there's a whole lot of marketing and probably some skerrick of actual value that's, that's there. And, and I like to go and, and dig in and find if there is the value. And in this case, I stumbled across. It's a really efficient way to, to wake up in the morning and yeah, have a lot of energy and still not have to, to eat too much. And I feel a bit slow when I eat sometimes. So I feel a bit sharper in the morning and stuff like that. That's breakfast. That sounds all, almost quite European, like almost a, a French kind of style. Thank you, Kurt. It has been such a pleasure to have you as a guest on this podcast. How can people listening to this find out more about Perla? Simply go to our website, perla.com. When people do come, when you get there, make sure you say that Serena sent you. <laughs> we'd, we'd love to know where, where, where people are coming from. Excellent. Please do that. If you do reach out to Perla, make sure you tell them that Serena, the Joyful Frugalista, sent them their way. So thank you, everyone. Please subscribe or follow this podcast to get future episodes. And please join the Facebook group, the Joyful Frugalista Facebook group, to participate in more discussions about this and other topics. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Joyful Frugalista with Serena Bird. She actually likes everybody. And of course, sound has been by Neil Hadley. And myself, I'm Joseph McGrail Baitup. You've got to accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative, latch on to the affirmative, don't mess with me.